gospel to Luke chapter 12 and verse 49. Luke chapter 12, verse 49. A while back I saw a movie on television. And uh, this man was a chemical weapons expert. And he was supposed to help them save this city in the U.S. that was being attacked by terrorists. And uh, at one point in the movie, he gets exposed to this chemical agent. And the only thing that he can do to protect himself is to take a needle about that long and plunge it into his heart and push down. That's the only thing that could save him. And so he does that, and it saves him from this horrible death. Now, we have something that's very horrible that we've been exposed to, thanks to Adam and Eve, and it's called sin. And the results of sin have brought the curse of God on, our, on this earth, and it has, has brought pain and heartache and, and trouble in this life. But then it also has consequences beyond this life into eternity. And so uh, it's important that we know how God wants us to deal with this problem. Um, Luke is, is sharing uh, some statements of Jesus and discussion of Jesus with the people of Israel. And I believe Jesus is looking at the, especially at the religious leadership of that day, uh, and he is grieved because they are rejecting his message. Um, also, although there were people that, that trusted Christ, one scripture says Jesus knew the hearts of men, and he knew what was really there. Uh, they were after the bread, you know, give us, uh, you know, church growth message. Everybody that, everybody that comes gets something. You know, they were all into that, but they weren't truly into following Jesus and putting their trust in him. And so Jesus is grieved, and uh, he begins to share from his heart with that nation and that group of people that was there that represented that nation uh, about where they were and the danger they were in due to their sin and due to their rejection of Jesus. Now, that's true on a, a national level, and I think it's definitely a message our country needs to hear. It's also true on a church level, but it's also true on an individual level. Each and every one of us has an opportunity to respond to Christ. Uh, each day we have that opportunity. Um, one, one scripture says uh, we're to take up our cross daily to follow him. So each day we have an opportunity of how we respond to Christ. Now, for the lost person, uh, that has consequences that last for eternity. For the saved person, uh, that has consequences as far as our relationship with God, uh, in our intimacy with God. Uh, also, it has consequences as far as living the Spirit-filled life. Yeah, I mean, if you're quenching the Spirit, you can't. And so, these things are important for us to know. So, each and every one of us needs to take the steps necessary to avoid God's judgment. Um, if you're a child of God, I'm using the term judgment because I believe that's what Jesus is talking about here. If you're a child of God, technically speaking, that judgment's already been carried out on Christ. So, praise God for that. But uh, there is the discipline of God for a Christian. So um, thinking of that, uh, think about how God uh, will respond to you as you respond to him. 
And then also think about how God will respond to other people you know. Maybe lost people that don't know Christ. Uh, maybe a, a fellow brother or sister in Christ who needs encouragement. So the time of message is avoiding God's judgment. We're going to talk about how we do that. And if you'll look with me at verse 49, let's read this scripture. I came to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already set ablaze. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how it consumes me until it is finished. Do you think that I came here to give peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, right away you say, a storm is coming, and so it does. And when the south wind is blowing, you say it's going to be a scorcher, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why don't you know how to interpret this time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the ruler, make an effort to settle with him on the way. Then he won't drag you before the judge, and the judge hand you over to the bailiff, and the bailiff throw you into prison. I tell you, you will never get out of there until you have paid the last cent. At that time, some people came and reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And he responded to them, Do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than all the Galileans because they suffered these things? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Or those 18 that the tower in Siloam fell on and killed, do you think they were more sinful than all the people who live in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree that was planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He told the vineyard worker, Listen, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it even waste the soil? But he replied to him, Sir, leave it this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. Perhaps it will bear fruit next year, but if not, you can cut it down. So avoiding God's judgment, how do we do that? Well, the first thing I want you to see is that we need to choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. Um, he, Jesus is saying, look, I've come to bring fire. And if you read uh, commentaries on that verse, you see a lot of different interpretations. But this is a context of judgment. Jesus says, I've come to bring fire on the earth. Now, that wasn't Jesus' main purpose, but... Just as Paul said, when he shared the gospel, it was a fragrance of life and a fragrance of death. So when Jesus ministered, those who listened to him and put their trust in him received the benefit of it. Those who rejected him would ultimately face the judgment of God. And so Jesus says, I've come to bring fire on earth how I desire that it would come. When, when is Jesus going to bring this judgment on the earth? Well, I believe... There's a couple of, of cases here where it could be applied. One is the judgment of Jerusalem in AD 70 when the Romans destroyed it. Uh, but I think that is a, a secondary. I think the primary is the, the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When he comes back, 
riding on that white horse, and his enemies are slain. He's, first time he came to be a suffering servant, Jesus says, I've got a baptism to go through. And how I, how I wish it were, were done. And, you know, I, I wish I, I'm constrained in my heart. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about this and, and, and struggling with this because I know what it means to me and I know what it, what it uh, will, will involve. And so Jesus says, look, uh, there's a time of judgment that's coming, but first I've got to go through my time of judgment. I've got to experience the judgment of God upon the sin of all the world upon myself. And so Jesus gives two options. One is to face the fire of his judgment at the second coming, if you last that long. If, if not, you'll be raised ultimately to face your judgment. But then, secondly... Uh, the option is to put your faith and trust in Jesus, and he takes your judgment for you. <laughs> now, that's the better option. Jesus was baptized. You remember Noah in the flood? God, in his wrath, destroyed the earth, and that water was a symbol of God's judgment. So Jesus was baptized in the wrath of God on the cross. He took our sin for us and paid the price so that we could be forgiven. So we choose Jesus and, and he speaks of the, the consequences of that choice, that there was going to be division in the families, uh, two verses three and three verses two, um, over the fact that they put their trust in Jesus. It was going to be a time of division. They said, yeah, well, yeah, he's going to bring peace on earth, but it's not right now. Now there will be division when you choose Jesus, but you need to choose him anyway. Um, so... Avoiding God's judgment involves choosing Jesus as a lost person, but also avoiding God's chastening involves choosing Jesus each day, doesn't it? As a child of God, uh, we're to choose to take up our cross and follow him. Uh, sometimes you may need to say to God, Lord, my heart is not in the right place. Change my heart. I just confess my sin to you. Uh, live through me and, and take up my cross through me. Uh, so that I can serve you and honor you with my life in the way that you intend. But each day, and, and even throughout the day, we have choices of whether or not we're going to choose Jesus. Um, that kind of goes along with what we were talking about this morning about putting Jesus first. You choose Jesus above everything else in your life. And so, um, one, occasionally I will experience, you go to share a story, and God begins to convict you. Maybe it brings too much credit to you. Or maybe it, uh, maybe it is, is critical of someone else. And, and you begin to share that. And you have a choice. You either get to finish the story. Or you either stop or change the ending. So that, uh, so that not that it's a lie. But you change it so that it's uh, pleasing to God. Uh, and, uh, and you have a choice. And, and we even in our speech, even in our relationships, we have choices of whether or not we're going to honor Jesus. Are we going to be kind and those kinds of issues? So uh, choosing Jesus is something that we need to do. Uh, awarding God's judgment, how do you do that? First of all, choose Jesus. Secondly, recognize Jesus. Recognize Jesus. Now, this is really ironic. Apparently, uh, the Jews of that day... Uh, had the equivalent of the Weather Channel for their day, okay? I mean, they knew all about it. They knew what to look for in the sky. They knew what to expect uh, based on uh, what they saw. And uh, they were good at predicting what was going to happen with the weather. 
And the fact is, they recognized the signs that the weather was coming, but Jesus says, you don't recognize me. You don't recognize the opportunity that you have to embrace your Messiah. And sometimes, it, I believe it's a, it's a willful thing because Jesus is speaking of it in terms of judgment. It's not that you don't have the capacity to recognize it, but you willfully reject me. And he says, he says you, you, you're not recognizing my coming. Look at what he says in verse 56. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why don't you know how to interpret this time? Now, the word time there in the original is the word kairos, and it's, it's an opportunity. It's a moment in time that is an opportunity. Jesus says, you have a great opportunity. They could put their faith and trust in Jesus, and their life could be changed. As a nation, they could embrace their Messiah, and, and their lives as a nation, their, their nation would be changed. But they didn't recognize his coming. They didn't take advantage of the opportunity. Um, sometimes we don't take advantage of the opportunities in our lives, do we? Um, if, if you're lost, you've got to take advantage of that opportunity to be saved. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Uh, if you're saved, you need to take advantage of the opportunities that God brings your way. Uh, maybe God puts something on your heart to pray for someone else. Maybe God leads you to witness to someone else. Uh, maybe God puts somebody on your heart to do something, some kind of active service, and you, you take advantage of those opportunities that God brings your way. But, of course, the greatest opportunity is just to have a relationship with a person whose name is Jesus. And each day we have that opportunity. We need to take advantage of that. And uh, uh, one scripture says that we will uh, be with him and listen to him until he comes and, and uh, speaks. And, and we take that time to spend time with him and to uh, relate to him. Uh, they didn't recognize Jesus. Instead of recognizing and embracing their Messiah, they rejected their Messiah. And the result was the judgment of God came. So make sure you recognize uh, Jesus as your way of salvation if you don't know him. But also make sure you recognize Jesus in the day-to-day things of life. Isn't it easy to get busy? Uh, just to get hurried and uh, to... It's, it happens. It's a struggle for me sometimes when, you know, you've got things... You've got to be somewhere at a certain time. You've got to do this and you've got to do that. And, and that, that time for Jesus, if we're not careful, it just begins to dwindle. And then we begin to suffer spiritually. And we, we don't take that time to recognize him and give him the place in our life that he needs to have. And so, uh, if we want to live the life that God desires for us, we need to recognize those opportunities that Jesus gives us. So, avoiding God's judgment, first of all, choose Jesus. Secondly, recognize Jesus. Thirdly, plead Jesus. And so, what are you talking about, preacher? I, liked, I really like that phrase. I know it's kind of an old-fashioned phrase, but I like that phrase, I plead the blood. That's what we, that's what we do. Uh, and Jesus is speaking about a judge, and he says, hey, you know, if you're in trouble and you've got an adversary, and he's going to go and take legal action against you, if you're smart and you know you're guilty, you're going to try to make up with that person before he goes to the judge, right? And he says, you're going to get the benefit of that, 
so that you can be set free from the consequences of, of, that, uh, of that action, legal action, that would take place. Uh, so he says, he says, Jesus says to them, hey, why don't you judge for yourselves what's right? First of all, that's the th- why don't you do what's right? <laughs> what a novel idea. Uh, sometimes we get ourselves into trouble just because we don't judge what's right ourselves, right? And then we have to, to be in a different situation. Uh, but in verse 58, Jesus says, As you are going with your adversary to the ruler, make an effort to settle with him on the way. You see, the Jewish people of that day are no different than everybody else in that day and, and in our day as well. All of us are guilty of sin. And we have a limited time in which we can go to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Look, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. But I receive your forgiveness. I choose to turn from my sin and trust in Jesus and you alone for my salvation and eternal life. And uh, we have that opportunity to make that decision. And when we do that... Guess what happens? We're pleading the blood. We're we're calling upon God to honor the promise that he has made that he would give us forgiveness and that justice would be satisfied through Jesus Christ on our behalf. Uh, When we neglect to do that, what happens is judgment comes on us. Did you know every single sin will be paid for? It's just a matter of by whom. Either by Jesus when we put our faith and trust in him or by ourselves in eternal judgment. And in this particular paragraph of scripture, the word judgment comes up several times. Uh, He says he'll drag you before the judge. The judge will hand you over to the bailiff. This idea of judgment, judgment is coming, judgment is coming, judgment is coming. Now this is not politically correct, but it's the truth. Judgment is coming. And if lost people don't trust Jesus before they die or before Jesus, Jesus uh, returns, they're in a world of trouble because there's an eternity in hell. Uh, the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And so what we need to do is plead Jesus. You know, I, <clears throat> I can't get into heaven Based on my own goodness, and neither can you. If uh, God were to say, Roger, why should I let you into my heaven? I'd say, you probably shouldn't if it's based on me. But I'll tell you what, it's not based on me. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. He is my Savior. He paid the price for me, for my sin. He lived my perfect life in my place, and I put all my trust in him. I plead Jesus. Open the door, I'm coming in. <laughs> Jesus has paid the prize for me. Hallelujah. And so, we need to plead Jesus. That's the, that's the way you avoid judgment. But, but, hey, by the way, as a Christian, even though Jesus has paid the price for your sin, know this. He's your advocate. He's praying for you. He's for you. And the blood of Jesus applies to you where you are in your walk with God. It doesn't stop at salvation. Praise God for that. Um, when, when we live the Christian life and we fail, have you ever been there? You fail and you just say, boy, how can I go into God's presence? I'm ashamed. Uh, 
When you're in that moment, remember the blood of Jesus and plead Jesus. <laughs> hey, you and I may feel pretty good about ourselves living, living our, our uh, Christian life, but guess what? The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags to God. That means there's never a time that you and I, unless we're filled with the Spirit of God and He's living through us, there's never a time in our lives where we're pleasing to Him. Did you know that? Whatever is pleasing is by His grace. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, if our righteousness is as filthy rags to Him, then that means I never deserve to come into His presence. And so I just plead Jesus. So, Lord, I don't deserve to come into your presence during my quiet time today. I blew it yesterday. I lost my temper. I had a wrong thought, whatever. I don't deserve to come in your presence, but, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus. And, and Jesus died for me. And based on him, I just I ask you to extend your mercy to me and uh, let me fellowship with you today. And I confess my sin to you. You know what the Bible says? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He will do it every single time. Why? Because we deserve it? No, we don't. We don't ever deserve it. But because Jesus deserved it. And the price was paid. And so for God not to grant what he, Jesus has done for us to our account would be unjust for God. And God always does what's just. So plead Jesus. Don't let the devil whisper in your ear and say, you can't go to God in prayer. Look at where you are as a Christian. Don't believe him. He's a liar. Plead Jesus and enter his presence in prayer. So, how do you avoid God's judgment? You choose Jesus. You recognize Jesus. Plead Jesus. And then turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Now, they bring this, these two incidences where uh, someone has done great sin. Uh, Pilate has killed these Jews. He's mixed their blood with the sacrifices that they were making, which is a desecration of, of the sacrifice. Um, and, and the people come and say, what have these Galileans done to get treated this way? We know they must be guilty. Somebody once said Christians are the only ones that shoot their wounded. Uh, it's so easy for us to fall. Well, boy, I bet that person's done something really bad to be going through what they're going through. Um, so then they come and they say, well, Jesus, what about this, this situation where the tower at Siloam fell on these Jews? They must have been bad sinners. Jesus doesn't reply to the question. He says, hey, wait a second. You're all sinners. What you need to do is not worry about them, but you need to worry about where you are. And you need to make a choice to repent of your sin and put your trust in me. Um, this scripture was a scripture that was used to bring me to Christ, or at least to, to show me that I was lost, that I needed to come to Christ where God began to deal with me. I recognized that I had gone through the motions of religion. But I never surrendered my heart to Christ in faith. And so Jesus says, look, it, these religious leaders are here. These other people are here. And they're, they're asking these questions. Jesus says, look, you need to get to the heart of the matter, which is that you, as an individual, 
And you as a people, as a nation, you need to repent of your sin, turn from your sin to trust in me. You need to turn to me. I remember I struggled with a year. After I heard that message, I struggled with it for a year. I didn't want to surrender what my friends thought of me and what, you know. I don't know, where did people get the idea that if they come forward and get saved, their friends are going to think of them differently? Most of the time, they're happy for them, right? You know, so anyway, but that, that was in my mind. I didn't want to surrender that, surrender that. There were other things in my life I didn't want to give up. And finally, I remember coming to the altar, and I said, Lord, I surrender all. And you know, at that moment, Jesus Christ entered my life. And I've been changed. I wish I could open my heart and show lost people how good Jesus is. <laughs> I mean, he is so awesome. He is so great. Jesus says, forget about everybody else. You turn to me from your sin, from your own way. You turn to him, Father. You trust me. And as they would do that, they would avoid the judgment of God, those who were unsaved. Do you know that each and every one of us has to make that decision after we're saved? It's not to get saved again. Once that takes place, that's for good. But there will be times where we get away from God and we have to make that choice once again to turn from our sin. And you know, it's so sin is so subtle. I think Jesus... He just saw right through all of the, the stuff they were talking about. And it's our tendency to look at other people's sin, isn't it? Well, look at that person over there. They just need to get their heart right with God. They just they need to get their act together. And we begin to get a critical spirit about other people. But you know what I've found? People that tend to be the most critical have problems themselves spiritually. When... Jesus saw through the surface of that. And it's so easy for us to point the finger at somebody else. But we need to be sensitive to the fact that we're sinners. As a matter of fact, a critical spirit is sin. And so we need to have a heart that's sensitive to the Lord to, to turn from those things. And uh, there was, there was a, a book, uh, I've not read it, but I saw it mentioned in another book. And it, was it talked about the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit and about how easily He is grieved in our lives, how easily He is quenched in our lives. And I was thinking about that and I thought, how many times do we rob ourselves of God's best simply because of nursed private sin? It's, uh, Jesus knew that, so He, he spoke to that. And uh, for, for the Christian Surrender from time to time is a good thing. It helps us uh, get back on the right path with the Lord. So turn to Jesus. To avoid God's judgment, choose Jesus, recognize Jesus, plead Jesus, turn to Jesus, and finally abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Both the grapevine and the fig tree were pictures of Israel. This is kind of an interesting one. It's a grapevine a great field, a great um, vineyard uh, with a fig tree planted in it. So there's two pictures of Israel. 
Uh, some think maybe he's talking about the fig tree being the leadership, but whatever he's talking about, the point is clear. The people of Israel are not producing the fruit that God desires. And he uses the illustration of fig tree, and he says, you know, hey, three years, the, the guy keeps coming back. He's hired his workers to work on this, this vineyard and this fig tree, and, and he comes back, and he tries to find fruit on the fig tree. And three years go by. There's still no fruit. And finally, he gets mad. Well, why am I even using up the soil with this thing? Just cut it down. And the worker says, well, let's wait. He said, let me put some fertilizer on it. Let me uh, dig around its roots and kind of try to, to give it the nutrients it needs. Let's see what it does next year. But if it doesn't bear fruit next year, cut it down. Uh, you see... This is a great picture of what God is saying to Israel because Israel had not borne the fruit that God had called them to bear. Time after time after time, God had sent prophets, he'd sent kings, he'd sent all of these different individuals. And, but now, finally, Jesus comes, and he's digging around the roots, and he's putting the fertilizer around the base of the tree. He's saying, Israel, I've come to you. I'm giving you the nurture of my word. I'm, I'm teaching you, I'm loving you, I'm healing you, I'm doing all these things for you. You must respond. And if you don't respond, you're in a dangerous position. Well, the sad thing was that though some responded, most didn't. And Israel entered into a time of judgment after the ascension of Jesus and, and a, a time of, of the church being in Jerusalem. Uh, they went through a time of judgment. Did you know God longs for us to walk with Him? And He looks for fruit. Uh, he looks for us to... Now, what, is, what kind of fruit does God look for? Well, they're the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Um, God looks for those spiritual qualities of a person that is filled with the Spirit of God, those things that just come out naturally when you're filled with the Spirit of God. I think God also looks for souls that are being saved. Um, that's part of the fruit. In some places, the Scripture talks about people being one to Christ are, are, are the fruit. Um, you remember the story of the, uh, the uh, soils, the, the parable of the soils, and, and how the, the seed is cast, and, and the good, good soil brings forth fruit. 30, 60, 100 fold, right? Well, what is that fruit? That's it's meant to, you take your corn, put your corn seed in the ground, comes up, you've got corn, corn on the cob, boy, that sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, you know, you've got this, but what do you do if you're a farmer? You take from that seed that comes up and you plant another corn stalk, right? The fruit. The fruit comes, and it, it bears more of itself. So these are, the, these are the things that God looks for. He looks for the fruit of, of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He looks for the fruit of uh, saved souls. Uh, and, and these things are important to God. Now, remember, God is speaking to a group here. What was Israel's calling? Israel was called, he said, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. Some of you are thinking, that's in Peter. That's about the church. Yes, it is. But it's also about Israel. That's a quotation of an Old Testament scripture that God spoke about Israel. Israel was to be a light to the nations. They were to be a witness. They were to bear the fruits of godly character. But over and over and over and over and over again, God sent people to Israel and Israel did not respond. So finally, the time of God's judgment came. Um, I believe that nations go through that. I believe churches can go through that. Uh, The most important thing to Jesus is our relationship with him. He talked about to the Ephesians. Uh, But if our relationship with Jesus is right, then there will be fruit. And so uh, God tells the the church at Ephesus, he says, uh, repent of not having me as your first love or I'll take your lampstand away. So, God looks for certain fruit in our lives. He wants us to have a relationship with Christ um, that bears fruit in our lives. So, look at, look at verse 6. He says he's looking for fruit and found none. Verse 7, looking for fruit, haven't found any. Um, he says, that perhaps, verse 9, perhaps it will bear fruit next year. So, he's fruit, 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 fruit. God says, you remember those commercials, Wendy's? Where's the beef? God says, where's the fruit? I've invested, I've poured into the lives of the people of Israel, and I see no fruit. Um, So, how do we bear fruit as God's people? Well, God does it through us. And so... What we do is we abide in Jesus. It's the same thing as being filled with the Spirit, right? Jesus said, abide in me, and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That tells me a couple of things. That tells me one thing. I need Jesus desperately. I can't. It's like a branch. You, you ever cut off a branch or have a branch fall off a tree in your yard and it gets old and dry and brittle and, you know, you step on it and it pops and breaks. And that's what we are apart from Jesus. We, we just have nothing to give when we are not connected to Jesus. But when we abide in the vine, when we're connected with him in relationship on a daily basis, He produces his fruit through us. And it comes about as a byproduct of our time with him. And so, um, Jesus said, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do do nothing. So, so the key here is to abide in Jesus. If you want to be fruitful as an individual. And let me tell you something. I'm just going to brag on our church for a second. That little girl that said... Boy, people in churches sure are nice. You know what she was saying? She was saying, I felt loved. Guess what? You were bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And it touched that little girl's heart. Uh, that's, that's what Jesus does. Jesus does that through us. I tell you, there's some times I'm not a, a loving person. There are times, especially before I have my coffee, uh, where I'm not nice. 
You can ask my, my family's back there having a testimony service. Uh, but, but that's the truth. That's where I'm at, and I know it. And I, I remember Sherry and I were first married. Uh, one morning I got up, I was grumpy, and I just, you know, I just was not being very nice. And Sherry said, why don't you go get your coffee and have your devotions? <laughs> and uh, I needed that, buddy. I, and I took her up on it. And, uh, buddy, about an hour or two later, buddy, I, was, I had the caffeine going, buddy. And, uh, and the time with God is more important than the caffeine, but the caffeine helps, right? And, uh, and, and uh, God, God changed, changed my attitude. But we can't do without him. I mean, that's just where we are. We can't produce that fruit ourselves. So we must make time with God a priority. And choose. What does it mean to abide? It means to remain in Him. What did Jesus say you do to abide in Jesus? You choose to obey Him in the details of life. Those things that you do throughout your day, the Holy Spirit prompts you, do this, don't do that, you obey. The Word of God says do this, don't do that, you obey. And, and what you're doing is you're making a conscious choice to walk in the will of God. And you will be abiding in Christ. And he will produce fruit through you. And even that, you're dependent upon him. Uh, but praise God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. So, if, if you're a lost person, you're not even in the vine. You've got to make that choice to turn from your sin, put your trust in Jesus so that you can become his child and be joined to the vine so that you can produce fruit. If you're a saved person, you need to make a choice regularly to be spending that time with God. Get your spirit refreshed and uh, filled up with him so that you can bear the fruit that God desires. How do you avoid God's judgment or his chastening if you're a believer? Choose Jesus, recognize Jesus, plead Jesus, turn to Jesus, abide in Jesus. Is there a theme here? Yes, it's all about him. He is everything. I'm not much without him. I can do nothing. It's all about him. Look to Jesus. And he is our sufficient source. He will help a person avoid God's judgment, avoid God's chastening, and walk in fellowship, joy, and fruitfulness. Will you choose to abide in him? Father, thank you so much for giving us your word and your encouragement. Thank you for the direction on how to avoid